I'm Trey Goins Phillips, and welcome to the Prodigal Stories Podcast, a show where Billy Hallowell and I take you through some of the most powerful stories of the day stories of hope, transformation, and intrigue. On today's episode, we welcome Christian recording artist Stephen Curtis Chapman. He shared with us his journey to faith, how the loss of his daughter deepened his dependence on God, and even told us the fascinating story that made him kind of a Disney movie star. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Stephen Curtis Chapman, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? I'm doing well, doing good. It's great to be with you. Thanks for taking a few minutes to chat with me. Oh, absolutely. It's great to talk with you. I, I grew up with your music, and uh, Cinderella is a song that I think everybody can remember You know where they were as far as you know, believers when we heard that song, because it made such a huge impact, I think, on... Oh on Christian music, and um, I just wanted to say that I so appreciate uh, that song and, and your ministry. Um, but you have a new song out uh, called Still. Yes. Uh, and it, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What was the inspiration for that song? Absolutely. Well, I have a whole new, uh, uh, I call them, I still call them records. Uh, yeah. A new record I've been working on, which, you know, a lot of people uh, don't know what that is anymore, or an <laughs> album when you talk about that, but uh, 35 years ago, I made my first album, um, my first record, and uh, in 1987 was when my first, the first Stephen Curtis Chapman album was released, mm-hmm. and that's been an, obviously an amazing journey of 35 years, a great adventure, actually, uh, as I called it in a song once, um, that has taken me to some unbelievable mountaintops and incredible, you know, the 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 blessing of just uh, getting to play my music all over the world and you know sell records and be played mm-hmm. on the radio and win awards and um, you know incredible things and also I've gone through very very dark valleys and and deep valleys that I never could have imagined 35 years ago when I started singing these songs and writing these songs and so um, the last couple of years I started feeling I didn't I didn't have any you know, contractual obligations to write a new album or make new music. And honestly, I have struggled a lot with just even the question of, you know, a lot of people, when they hear my name, they immediately think of Cinderella or, you know, Great Adventure, which is awesome. And and I love that. But sometimes when you talk about new music, when you're an artist who's been around that long, people kind of go, you know, hey, that's okay, but man, really, would you just play, mm-hmm. you know, the hits? You know, we just want to hear the old songs. And and I get that, and I understand it, but, you know, when you're an insecure artist, as all of us artists are, you know, you're kind of like, well, then should I, do I have new things to say? Are people even interested in what new songs I might have, or do they just want to hear the songs, you know, that, that are from the past? And so mm-hmm. wrestling through a lot of that, you know, I really began to to think, you know what, I need to not worry about that question. I know there are some things that I feel really compelled to write songs about and say, things that I've been through, perspective of things now, you know, in my life as a dad, as a husband, as a follower of Christ, just, you know, my faith journey. There are things with what we have walked through as a world, as a nation, as a church in the last two or three years with a global pandemic, what I've gone through personally, you know, the last 14 years since we lost our youngest daughter and that grief journey for us 
and that journey of faith, how that's been impacted. It's like those are all things that I feel like I, I need to, I have some things I still want to say and some things mm -hmm. that feel really important. So I'm going to write these songs from that place. And so the, the, one of the first songs that sort of came out of that was just this thing of saying, you know, I've been on this journey for a long time. And as the song says, you know, it started when I was a kid and had this just wonder of God saying, come follow me. Jesus saying, come follow me. We're going to go on this great adventure. I had no way of knowing it was going to, the mountains were going to be so high. The valleys are going to be so deep. And as I say, even in the song, you know, I have wrestled. Uh, yeah. I have rested, I've trusted, I've tested God's patience. It's been beautiful, it's been terrible, it's been wonderful, it's been more painful, it's been, you know, it's been all of those things. And yet, here's the bottom line, God has been faithful still, and God mm -hmm. has, has um, he's been good still, even when life has not been. And so I still want to sing about that, you know, and I'm still a work in progress, and I'm still learning, and I'm still growing and God is still good and still faithful. So that word still just became so special to me. And I thought, I really, I want to write a song by that title and just talk about all those things because God is still faithful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with with 35 years in in music ministry and, and being really a, a public figure, uh, you've gotten to the place now where your life, I mean, over the last uh, 14 years, like you said, where you're, it's not just your music, your life has become a ministry and an example uh, for people. What has it been like to be such an open book uh, for people to be vulnerable with your life? Well, I mean, for, for me and my family and I really have made decisions, you know, along the way to do that. And, and because it's been especially with things like the, you know, losing our daughter and, and the grief of that and everything, I, we had to know as a family that this was a decision we'd make together. Because when I'm sharing my story, I'm really sharing my family's story. I'm sharing my wife, you know, my wife's journey alongside me. Um, and so it's been a decision that we've made together. But it really has been also just, I feel like it's part of what the calling has been. Um, mm. As I look at, you know, Scripture, what encourages me the most in the lives of followers of, you know, of Jesus and, and God followers all the way back to the Old Testament, it's not been so much when they had it figured out or when they really understood and knew what I've been most encouraged by in my faith journey have been the stories of, you know, you know, King David, you know, struggling and with, you know, doubt and fear and how long, O oh Lord, are you going to forget me forever? You know, those places in the Psalms or even, you know, the Apostle Paul talking about, you know, my, I am weak, but he is strong or the story of Peter, you know, walking on the water. It's not just the story of him man, he walked on the water. It, what I'm encouraged by is the fact that he sank and he took his eyes off mm -hmm. Jesus and he freaked out and he, you know, he feared. And then, and, and Jesus, you know, pulled him up and, and, and he learned from that process. I'm so glad that God didn't edit out those vulnerable places in the lives of even in his followers in scripture. In fact, he let some of those most vulnerable, even failures be, you know, written in the right into the story and that gives such encouragement to me so I think even as I've had this platform and this opportunity you know it's been very important that I mm -hmm. stay very honest 
Um, and, and that's really the only thing I have to offer anyway, you know, is just the honesty through my music and my songs from the very beginning. You know, my first album, you can hear, you know, my first song sent to radio actually was a song called Week Days, W-E-A-K Days, talking about, you know, I am, when I'm weak, he is strong. And so, you know, I'm going to acknowledge that. So I think it's been, you know, all throughout the process for me, just important, you know, part of that to, to just be honest and, and vulnerable um, so mm-hmm. that others can be encouraged by that. And how have you and, and your wife and your kids over the years <laughs> learned to, to carry grief, uh, obviously from, from the loss of your, your baby girl, and joy because you know there both yes. of those things exist within the Christian walk but it's hard to carry both at the same time how have y'all learned to navigate that well i mean i'd say you know we're we're continuing to learn it um just uh one step at a time um but you know to answer the question of how we how we have um i mean the only answer i really know is just by God's grace, you know, because God has been faithful uh, in putting people around us, people who would not give up on us, who even when we were very miserable people to be around, because grief is a, a miserable, um, hard, hard thing. And it's what divides so many families. It's, you, you know, mm-hmm. when you see the, the statistics of, you know, especially the loss of a child, um, you know, 80 to 90 percent of marriages don't survive that. And we understand that now. At the beginning, we thought, how is that? No, if anything, this is going to, we got to hold on to each other more than ever. But you realize grief is, you know, it, it isolates us um, if we allow it to. It's what it wants to do is isolate us. We go into our own place of darkness and grief. And, you know, we, we if we've done anything well, it's been reaching out to others Um and continuing to acknowledge, gosh, we just cannot do this alone. And then it's been God's faithfulness to put people in our journey that will continue to walk with us and, you know, walk alongside us and pursue us. Um, Those are really the only ways that we have survived and continue to survive. And, you know, I want to ask you, too, a lot of people have, have known you, obviously, as, as Stephen Curtis Chapman, the, the Christian contemporary uh, music mm-hmm. artist, worship leader. Um, but what does your journey to faith look like? How, how did you come to salvation? Yeah, <laughs> I, um, I grew up in a, uh, a home where music was a big part of our life. Um, faith was not, uh, it was not not a part, but it was not something that was real active. My parents had grown mm-hmm. up going to church as kids, walked in the aisle when they were little, got baptized, professed you know, faith in Christ, but it wasn't something they really carried into their early adulthood. And so um, my mom would take me and my brother to church because that's just what you did on Sunday morning when you're growing up in the buckle of the Bible belt. <laughs> my dad played music uh, on weekends, so he was out late on Saturday night. He was sleeping in on Sunday. But when I was about seven years old, uh, we had a revival come through our church, and my dad ended up going to church with my mom and with me and my brother every night of the week for a whole week. And I was a little kid. I was seven years old. I didn't really understand what was happening, but I saw a change start to happen in my home. And so growing up in a home where there was a lot of, a lot of fighting, a lot of conflict, because my dad had grown up without a father in his life, 
His dad had died when my dad was young and left home when my dad was about three years old uh, as an alcoholic, and it just destroyed his life and his body eventually. So my dad didn't have a father, and he had a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. shame and a lot of confusion and anger. And my mom was 16 when she married my dad, so they were just kids. So they, they you know, didn't have it, you know, didn't have much going on, going for them in the beginning. But then when Christ, when they really gave their, their lives to Jesus and, and started to just make, make that the center of their life, um, I saw something really start to change in my home and my dad beginning to just stop in the middle of, you know, these fights and arguments that would happen. And he would say, we need to pray. We got to pray together. And hearing him talk to God and just say, God, I don't know how to be a dad. I don't know how to be a husband. And I think there was that honesty, even as a little boy, hearing my dad be that honest with God and just crying out for help. It was just a very real faith. It wasn't a handed down, you know, hey, we're going to go to church and we're going to read the Bible because that's what we do. We're Christians. But it was very much, you know, I don't have any clue how to do this. And I'm going to ask God to help me because that's my only hope. And to watch God really change my family. We began to play music together, sing together um, in church. And it was really as a result of that, watching the change in my parents' life and my older Mm -hmm. brother that um, when I was eight years old, um, I remember very clearly when my pastor, our preacher and pastor at the time, Brother David McMichael, uh, said he was quoting Revelation and he said uh, at the end of one of his sermons, he said, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, um, I will come in. And I remember as soon as he said that, my heart began to beat and I thought, I think Jesus is knocking at the door of my heart. Um, and I began my relationship with, with Jesus that day, that morning, um, you know, in a really way that I remember in a very transformational way. That's really when I would say my relationship began with Jesus. And so all through growing up, playing music, singing in church with my family, learning, you know, uh, these great songs of, you know, the church and hymns and singing in the choir and then singing as a family learning Bill Gaither songs, you know, because that's what we sing every Sunday in our church. And we started singing those as a family. So music and faith were always kind of woven together for me. And um, and then I started writing songs in high school. Um, again, those songs were primarily songs about my relationship with Jesus and just trying to figure it out, trying to understand it, you know, for myself uh, as a teenage kid um, and share that with my friends through my music. That's really where my music started. And, you know, it's incredible to to look back and just as someone listening to your story and to hear uh, that vulnerability with God being modeled for you uh, is something that really served as an impetus for your relationship with the Lord. Uh, You know, I think what a blessing it is to be vulnerable with God, but it's scary. Uh, What has that been like for you to be vulnerable with the Lord? (laughs) Well, I... Like all of us, you know, if we've read the scripture, are so grateful for for me. What what is one of the most profound verses in the Bible um, that that invites us? It says, "Let us come boldly to the throne of grace." Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's that is a an such an amazing invitation um, because I think in my you know our mind of of the way we think it should be is. Well, God is good. God is great. God is perfect. So if I'm going to come to him, I better get my act together. 
And in a lot of ways, that's really some of the messages that I think we maybe heard growing up. I know I did, you know, um, you know, you better, you better act right or God's going to get you, you know, and to begin to realize and, and understand that, you know, the invitation of the gospel, the message of the cross is you are not only not good, you are, you know, completely hopeless apart mm-hmm. from uh, a Savior who didn't just come to kind of make a few tweaks and here and there to kind of polish you up and just, you know, fix you up because, you know, you just had a few flaws. You know, you look at the, you look at the cross, you look at the brutality, you look at the message of the, the gospel, you know, in, in full force, and you realize we needed a Savior, you know, who would suffer and take on, you know, the wrath of God because of our sin. And, and then it's, it's, it's how my pastor says it often, you know, cheer up, you're a lot worse off than you think, but you're <laughs> a lot more loved than you ever dreamed you, you were, you know? So it's like, yeah, that's the message of the gospel. And um, so I think, you know, knowing that, that being then invited to a God who says, I know it all. I know the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, you can't fool me. You're not going to be able to pretend, hey, I got it together because I know every thought. I know every, you know, word that you didn't even say that, you know, you thought about saying, whatever that is. And so given that, this invitation to come boldly before his throne, knowing he already knows me, I'm not going to surprise him. I'm not going to shock him. You know, God's never going to go, oh, I didn't see that coming. You know, um, that's all an incredible invitation to you know, a, a father that who doesn't want to know and draw near to a father like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, as we wrap out our, our conversation here, I wanted to ask you about this because uh, I was fascinated when I saw it. Uh, you're in a new Disney Plus movie. Um, I know that's kind of a, a hard turn away from what we were just talking that's about, okay. but I just had to ask you about being in the new Chippendale movie on Disney yeah. Plus. How did that happen? So long story, uh, but I'll make it as short as I can. 20-ish years ago, a good friend of mine, very dear friend, incredible brother in the faith, uh, who works for Disney uh, Productions out in Los Angeles, um, he is, his job is the president of Character Voices. So he is the guy who maintains the integrity of all the voices of all the Disney characters. And we were talking one day, and he said, hey, uh, you know, I said, what are you doing? What are you up to? Because I'm just fascinated. I've always been a big fan of Disney movies. I loved when I was a kid, you know, all those great Disney movies. And he said, well, I'm working on a Jungle Book reboot um, of the old Jungle Book, you know. And he said, I'm trying to find the voice, a guy to do the voice of Baloo, the guy who originally did it. Phil Harris had passed away years ago. He said, I need a new Baloo voice. And I was like, I can be Baloo. I love Baloo. He was always my favorite when I was a kid because he kind of had this sort of cool sort of Southern thing. And he was a he music, you know, he's saying, you know, look for those bare necessities, you know. And I was like, I, I, I love that song. I loved everything about Baloo. And I was like, pick me, pick me. Well, long story there. He, uh, I, I ended up auditioning. And then John Goodman, the actor at the last minute, came in and said, hey, I want to do Baloo. So, Obviously, I lost out to John Goodman. So I end up doing a few things for the Disney uh, Channel, and uh, uh, I did a Sony PlayStation game uh, that's still mm-hmm. around that you can actually get that I voiced Baloo for that PlayStation game. So I sang Bare Necessities in the 
in the in the video game, and my kids used to play it. My boys, who are now grown and have their own kids, um, and and they thought that was very cool that their dad was the voice of Blue. So 20 years later, I get a phone call from my friend again, uh, who works for Disney, and he said, "Hey, guess what? I heard that they are doing a new Chippendales Rescue Rangers reboot movie, and guys like Andy Samberg, Seth Rogen, John Mulaney, these are the guys that are doing it." Um, and he said they're looking for, uh, there's a part for Baloo, uh, a couple of scenes where Baloo's in it, uh, and a couple of different characters from Disney classics that come into the, into the scene, or into the, into the storyline. And he said, they're looking for Baloo. They've got 20 voices, 20 actors that have already, you know, they're kind of narrowing it down. But I heard about it, and I thought, gosh, Chapman's got to do this. i got to tell my <laughs> friend Stephen Curtis about this. So I sent in an audition tape. And uh, next thing I knew, they called and said, hey, of all the voices, we like yours best. You're our Baloo. And so that's how I got to be the voice of Baloo for the, for the new Rescue Rangers movie. Wow. I mean, that's what a crazy story. So not, not only are, are you a contemporary Christian artist, you're a Disney star. That's right. Uh, so. I don't know. I don't know how it happens. You know, I'm thinking, I've, I, I don't know, it may be crazy, but I'm kind of thinking, Baloo sings the best of Stephen Curtis Chapman. That could be right? that could be a record in the making, you know. <laughs> hey, I think, or even just a hey, spinoff series on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yes. <laughs> um, well, Stephen Curtis Chapman, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with us. You're very welcome. Great to be with you. God bless. Thanks, man. So that was Stephen Curtis Chapman. Now I'm joined by Billy Hallowell, uh, my comrade on this podcast. <laughs> Billy, what did you think? You know, I always love a good Stephen Curtis Chapman conversation, <laughs> mainly because he and I mean, you've witnessed this, too, because you've obviously you did this interview with him. Uh, but he he's so down to earth. It's like talking to a mm -hmm. friend or just like somebody you've met you know, at the grocery store line. He doesn't come across as somebody who spent decades, you know, as one of the primary premier Christian artists. He's just he's just a guy. And so I always enjoy getting to chat with him. But I thought I thought it was a really interesting conversation, particularly the Disney pieces of it and how he <laughs> sort of landed there with that role. And it's just kind of a cool sort of backstory. Yeah, absolutely. And no, you're 100% right about him being so down to earth. Like it was about halfway through our conversation. Uh, I don't, I know you've, you've talked to him before and you may have had this experience. It's like, you forget that you're talking to like the Stephen Curtis Chapman. It's just like, Oh, this is my friend, Stephen Curtis. Like, uh, you know, whatever. Um, so, but he was he was great and awesome to talk to. Um, but yeah, the 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 story about how he got that Disney role is crazy. Like, I didn't have any idea that he had voiced Baloo in a PlayStation game video game for Disney as well, uh, and then obviously the the new movie on Disney Plus. Um, so yeah, kind of crazy that he's not only is he. You know, the Stephen Curtis Chapman, the contemporary Christian artist. He's also apparently a Disney star, uh, which is which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Um, no, it's so funny, though, too, because it's you know, you look at his career and I think it's kind of cool when people try to do other things. Right. Like mm -hmm. you could be a singer and a performer, um, but being a voiceover artist is a really different thing. But but here he is, you know, doing it. And the one thing, too. When we talked with him before this conversation, I talked with him a few months back. He was he was speaking about you know having new music coming out and how he was actually afraid, right? Like, and yeah. it's so interesting. He was worried 
that, you know, are people still going to want the new music or are they just going to really want the hits, the older music that he had? Are they going to be open to the journeys he's been on and the things he wants to perform and sing about? And I thought, again, how humble that you're actually concerned about those things, right? That you're worried about those things still after spending decades in the position that he has. So it's just, it's such a, he's such a cool guy. Yeah. And, you know, along those lines, I think something that's, that's really incredible i mean it's, it's tragic the way that it unfolded the loss of of their very young daughter uh now several years ago um i think something that's incredible is his vulnerability and his choice to be vulnerable and and we've talked about that and and him saying that it wasn't just my story like i, I could go out and talk about it uh, and that would be fine um, but we had to have a whole family meeting with their other kids and obviously his wife and they had to decide do we want to be open it's either it's either we're completely open or we're completely closed we can't be one or the other because I'm Stephen Curtis Chapman and there are going to be questions and people are going to want to see a window in uh, and that he had that sensitivity to say are we going to do this together as a family <clears throat> because I can't do it by myself um so just choosing to be vulnerable and let people in uh, through such a tragic and dark trial in their life uh, is incredible because I imagine that added another layer, but it ended up being a ministry in itself of showing people how to grieve as believers. Yeah, I mean, when you're already in so much in so much pain and you're already suffering so much and it's public, right? Um, to then go even more public and be even more vulnerable, there's there's a lot there. And I think that's a hard thing to manage and balance, but I think their family has done that with grace. And they've really just, I think, been a model of how to deal with tragedy and pain uh, because people go through all sorts of different things. And what they went through was one of the most unimaginable, but yet, again, they navigated it um, in such a beautiful way despite that pain. Yeah. And, you know, his comments about finding joy and, and holding that in one hand and holding grief in the other, I think that's something that we are not that good at as human beings. At least it's something that I'm not that good at because it seems like one always completely overpowers the other. And more often than not, it's the negative that overpowers the positive. You know, it's like when you get 18 compliments for something and then you get one criticism. What's the, the comment that hangs with you? You forget about the 18 compliments. The only thing that you think about the rest of the day or however long is the one negative comment. So I think uh, you know, going through grief of losing a child uh, or anything along those lines is just uh, in magnitudes greater than that concept that I was just talking about. It's so uh, it's, I'm sure, easy to let the, the negative completely eclipse any joy or any positive that can be in your life. Uh, but just talking to him, you can tell that there's so much joy in his life uh, in his wife's life and his, his kid's life. So uh, it's, it's cool to see that they've, it's, it's not that you get over it, but they've learned to, to navigate them together uh, and to realize that I can be joyful because of who Jesus is uh, in the midst of, of such despair. Yeah, and good reminder that we need to not let the negative comments, because I'm guilty of that a lot of the time. You know, something <laughs> yeah. happens, and it's like you could get, like you said, like a thousand people could say something nice, and the one person who says something terrible, it's like on your mind, and it sticks with you. And it's like you've, you've got to break out of that. And part of that is remembering where our identity is, right, that mm -hmm. we're accountable to, to Christ, we're accountable to God, we're not accountable to the random person or even the friend or loved one who has said something you know painful to us. Of course, we need to learn when we make a mistake, we need to be told things, but when it's a 
hateful, rude, or just unwarranted comment, not allowing that to overtake us. That's a that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is a c- kind of a complete topic shift, but I wanted to mention it because I just learned it in researching for our conversation with Stephen Curtis Chapman, is that his kids, his sons, are in a band called Colony House. Uh, they've come to Lynchburg, to Central Virginia, several times, and I just, it was like a light bulb went off. I didn't realize that that was his kids' band, uh, and Stephen Curtis has sang with them before. So anyway, it was just kind of cool. So anybody who's listening uh, to the podcast knows Colony House. Uh, those are Stephen Curtis Chapman's sons. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. You always have good facts for us, Trey. <laughs> well, oh, I don't know about that. But every once in a while, I, <laughs> I, I just stumble across something that I find interesting and maybe two other people might find interesting too. So... Uh, but anyway, that's all the time we have for this episode of the Prodigal Stories podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that. You don't want to miss out on the next episode of the Prodigal Stories podcast.